Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 will begin in verse 3 today. Um, Those words are comforting. We will one day feast in the house of Zion. We will feast and we will weep no more. These words are about our future. If we are in Christ, if we have trusted in Him, He promises He has gone away to prepare a place for us. One day we will gather around the banquet table of the Lord and we will feast with Him. And we will weep no more. Our longing in this life is for, well, as as our confession said, to be with Christ, but also the redemption of our bodies where we will one day be raised. There's so much that we think about when we think about the end times, what happens after death. And it gives us a lot of curiosity. We, we want to know what will it be like. And the Bible gives us information about what it will be like. We know that Jesus is coming again. We know that when we die, we will be present with Him. We know that when He comes again, that those who have died before He comes will be raised from the grave and go up to meet Him in the air. We know that those who are alive and remain are going to be caught up into the air to meet Him. There is so much that we do know from Scripture and it boggles our minds to think about it. And yet, there's also a lot of things that that are still a mystery Jesus even said that nobody but the Father knows when He's coming. In His earthly ministry, who will, how do we understand how Jesus could say, not even the Son, but only the Father knows? Jesus was God. And yet somehow in, in His human existence, when He lived here on earth, He limited Himself or something. We don't exactly know what it was, but... He could say that only the Father knows when He's returning. So many of these things are subjects of debate. You have those who are premillennial, pre-trib. We have those who are premillennial, post-trib. We have those who are premillennial, mid-trib and pan-trib. It's all going to pan out. We have those who are post-millennial. I have friends that are post-millennial. I try to talk them out of it, but they're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we have those who are all-millennial. For a while I was there, but I'm not anymore. And all these millennial positions and these positions on the end times, um, we don't have answers to all of those questions. And a lot of that is because it hasn't happened yet. And so that's one area where we can coexist as believers. 
we don't have to have a hundred percent agreement on those all those things that um, that we just don't know for certain yet because it hasn't happened. We can be clear on what has happened already. Jesus came and died for our sins. Jesus came, lived a sinless life. He died on a Friday. He rose on a Sunday. He took our sins to the cross and they were nailed to it with Him. We are forgiven. We can say that. But what happens in the future is still so clouded in mystery for us. Well, the disciples, they had a curiosity too. They had a curiosity. And last week we looked at this passage where Jesus talks about how the temple, he looks at the temple and says, not a stone will be left on another. And the disciples, as they heard that, they must have thought, well, he must be talking about the end of time. We can't imagine that happening at any other time. They, they, they thought it was so close. And so they move on away from the temple and they come to the Mount of Olives and they ask him the question. We'll go ahead and look at our text. Beginning in verse 3, it says, As he sat on the mountain of Ol- Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name and saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will come, I'm sorry, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginnings of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Then... Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. May they be a comfort to us in troubled times. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, give me grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus left the temple area. He came to the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. This was private teaching. This was not to the crowds. This was not to everyone. But this was to the inner circle of disciples. Now watch. <laughs> this was to the inner circle of disciples. Um, and, and, and of course it wasn't supposed to be public teaching. If, if he made these claims in front of everyone, they would have probably started cl- stoning him right there. 
But it was private teaching, right? Just to his disciples. And they ask, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? There's actually a couple of questions there. First of all, they say, when will these things be? What are these things that he's talking about? Well, I think he was talking, the disciples were asking, when will the stones be thrown over from the temple? That's what he had recently been talking about. And so, their question, they see it all as one thing. They don't realize that this is separated by years. Uh, Because then they go on to say, "And, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? You see, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, just 40 years after Jesus' death. Around 40 years after Jesus' death. And the disciples, they still didn't get it all. They expected, uh, they still expected a Messiah who was going to come in, get rid of the Romans, and set up a, 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 a political kingdom right then and there. So they thought, of course, they didn't see how, how these things could be separated. Yet, when they ask, when will these things be, they're talking about an event that takes place about about 40 years in the future. But then they go on, and what will be the sign of your coming? Of your coming. The word coming there, uh, it's a Greek word that's used several times in the New Testament to refer to the second coming of Christ. But yet, they didn't know that He was going away yet. That he had not yet died and rose again. He had not yet ascended into heaven. So they, they, had a, a, they didn't understand exactly the whole thing, but they still used this word asking, what will be the sign of your coming? The word there is, is used oftentimes in, literature, in Greek literature to talk of a, of a king whenever he would come to a city after battle and the people would all come out to meet the king and welcome him in. They would be rejoicing that this king had finally come and they would meet him as he arrives. And so, so maybe as the disciples ask this question, they're, they're thinking the coming is when he finally shows himself to be this Messiah and, and, and makes this political victory and subjects everyone under his feet. They still didn't understand everything. But then they say, and the end of the age. Now they're asking this question, the end of the age. I think they expect that they are at the end of the age at this point. They believe at this point that they are at the end of the age. The Messiah is here. He's going to start the end of the age right now. It wasn't clear to them. Well, it's clear to Jesus. He has several questions there that all get kind of tangled together and he's going to give us an answer. Some of those things talk about what happened and some of those things talk about what was yet to come. Verse 4, Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. The first thing Jesus warns his disciples about are false Christs, false messiahs. 
He said, many will come in my name. That's not saying coming with my authority like he's going to send the disciples out in his name. We are sent out in his name proclaiming the gospel. But whenever he says here, many will come in my name, he's talking about people who are going to claim to be the Messiah. False Christ. Even in our day, we can think of people like David Koresh. Those of us who are old old enough to remember what happened in Waco. And others who uh, seem to have some kind of messianic ambition. Those, even before my time, there was Jim Jones. And even back in Jesus' day, there were other Others that uh, claimed to lead a rebellion and they, they wanted to, to, to uh, throw out the Romans and, and be the kind of Messiah that, that the people expected. Jesus, He warns, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in My name saying, I am the Christ. They're going to fool a lot of people. He says, they will lead many astray. They won't lead believers astray. We've trusted in Christ. He will hold on to us. He will not let us go. They they will lead many away. They will lead many astray. So watch out for false Christ. The second thing Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Oh, look at all the political unrest. And think about things even in our day. We have wars going on in Ukraine. We have wars going on in different places in the world. (coughs) And rumors of wars. Is China going to go take over Taiwan? What's going to happen next? Is China building up to try to come and take over us? Well, there's wars and there's rumors of wars. And that can get us all worried about what's going to happen. That can get us all worried and we want to get our bunkers built and we want to stock up on our food supply and all that kind of thing. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Don't worry. Don't worry. He says, this must take place, but the end is not yet. These things are going to take place. And just because there are signs that it's coming, it doesn't mean the end is here. There have been wars and rumors of wars ever since Jesus went into heaven. And they're still around today. Those things don't necessarily mean that it's right around the corner, that it's happening next day, next week or next year. But they are reminders. What Jesus said is going to, what is going to happen is happening. And when we see those things, we need to remember He's coming. They're reminders to us. He's coming. Then, Jesus says... Uh, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various parts. There will be 
natural disasters of all kinds. Every year we hear about all kinds of different earthquakes. So much that we, it almost desensitizes us. How many times has Haiti had an earthquake? Or a hurricane? We just prayed for disaster relief this morning. They were going out to clean up after windstorms. And they'd gone before to clean up after tornadoes in all kinds of different places. There are all kinds of natural disasters. And the climatologists will say the same, almost the same thing. It's, it's coming to the end. We've got 12 years or, or it's going to be over. That's <laughs> what they'll say. Even, even the radical environmentalists, they have an eschatology. They, they believe that the world is, is going to end at some point. But they don't have the hope we have in Christ. All these, all these uh, natural disasters, earthquakes, famines, hurricanes, all of those things, oh, pandemics, all of those things, Jesus says, are what the beginning of birth pains. They've been happening, and the reminders, it's coming. It's coming. Jesus will come. He is coming. When we see these things, it ought to raise our level of expectation. And yet we should not worry. We should not worry. Verse 9. He tells us not to worry. He tells us, don't be alarmed when these things happen. And yet then, in verse 9, what does He tell us? Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I, I'm, I won't worry. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. He's saying, you, the disciples, you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. In another place, Jesus says, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. This is the life that the believer should expect when we experience hatred from the world. That's exactly what Jesus promised. When we experience hostility, when they say we're hateful people because we hold to biblical morality. That's exactly what Jesus told us to expect. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Sometimes the pressure of the culture that is hostile to God and hostile to the believer will get so strong that some will not be able to take it. And they will abandon the one who they had originally professed. Why does Jesus allow that? Why does God allow that to happen? It is the process of the refining fire. As, the, as God allows pressure, as God allows tribulation and persecution to come upon the church, it is a refining fire and it, it 
Only those who are true believers will be able to endure it. Because we know from the story of the parable of the sower, there are some that when tribulation come, they stop following Jesus. And that's the purpose of tribulation. It's to purify the church. It's painful as we go through it. And yet, through this process of tribulation, it becomes very, very clear who's really following Jesus and who's not. And you can see this in our culture today. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, I think there were a lot more people who came to church because it was the thing to be, do and it was a lot more socially acceptable. And today, a lot of the people that would have been in church in the 80s and 90s because it was the thing to do and no longer here. No longer in church. Because you don't have to. one of the things that persecution does. It refines the church. And I think it makes us stronger. Then he says, verse 12, and because of lawlessness, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We look at the world We see how messed up it is. We see how lawless it is. It says the love of many will grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. We can see this in the world today. I'm not saying it's happening next week or next year. We see these very same things that Jesus warned us about with increased persecution, with increased hostility, the love of many will grow cold. And if you look on Twitter (laughs) and you see how people treat one another, and sometimes you see how professing believers treat one another. Because of lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Through all the persecution, through all the tribulation that we go through in this life, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Keep on holding on. Keep on holding on. Don't give up. Because you know you have this promise. When things get tough, keep on enduring. Now, you know what? There, there's, this can be misunderstood. And I think we need to hear this rightly. This is not Jesus speaking to the weak one who feels like, I just can't keep going. To the one who feels so weak and just is about ready to give up. Jesus says, I've got gotcha. you. I'm holding on to you. I won't let you go. And to the one who's about ready to give up also, he says, keep holding on. Keep 
holding on. This is not a threat. It is a promise. If we keep holding on, He will hold on to us. Ultimately, it depends upon Him. Verse 14. And the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. You know what? All this has been negative that we've seen up until now. False Christ, false teachers. We've seen wars and rumors of wars. We've seen natural disasters in all kinds of places. We've seen increased hostility towards the church and people falling away. But you know what's going to keep on having success? It's the gospel. The gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. You know, we could be we could fall into an error and understand the word nation here to mean a political entity, a country. And that's what I think a lot of people understood this as in the past, but the word nations is from the word ethne, meaning ethnicities. So modern missiologists, that's people who study missions, they look at this term and, and they, they have pointed out the fact that the gospel is to preach, be preached not just in every continent, not just in every country, but it's to be preached to every people group of every language, of every tribe and tongue. And we know from Revelation that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there before the throne. The gospel will keep on advancing. It will keep on going to every tribe and nation. And then the end will come. And last I heard, there were still about 6,000 languages that have yet to be reached. There's a lot more languages than the ones that are most common that we can think of. You want Jesus to come soon? You want to hasten His coming? Give your life to missions. Go to the unreached. Go to those who've never heard Jesus' name. Give our money, our time, and our treasure towards seeing that goal reached. Jesus says it won't be until after the nations have heard the gospel preached until he comes again. And that's a promise. The gospel will go to every nation under earth, every language, every tribe, every kindred. We don't know whatever Jesus will say, it's, it's enough. But here it looks like we have a mandate. For missions. There's grace being held out to those who are unreached, to those who don't have the Bible translated in their language, to those who have not had the preaching of the gospel come to them. There is grace being held out. And we don't know when that time will, will end. There's a call to finish the Great Commission in our lifetime. 
It's being preached to young people to surrender their lives to ministry, to, to, to mission, so that they would go and finish the call to translate, to go and reach those who are unreached. It's going to happen. Jesus said it's going to happen before the end. So go and give and do everything in our power as a church to see that the nations hear the Gospel. So we bring it all together. Come, Lord Jesus. We want to see it. We want to see it. We are promised that we will one day feast at His table and there will no longer be any crying, no longer any weeping, no longer any pain. On the way there, there will be lots of obstacles that we need to watch out for. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for all of these things. And when we endure through it all, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.